0: In, but with hey Simon, yeah. come here. Sit down. Do you know? Do you know what today is? What is today? It's our hundredth episode.
1: Oh yeah, it's
0: our hundredth episode.
1: Why? B- why you? Pr- wh- what's happening? Why are cheers. we? Reco- cheers. What's happening? <laughs> I'm so confused. Oh, that was so recklessing over the equipment.
0: So I thought you've got me lots of gifts throughout the years of the podcast. <laughs> what? To
2: get you a gift?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to call him McCollin the caterpillar. It's not Slinky caterpillar. Tesco's version. Slinky caterpillar cake. There you go. And a wee whiskey.
0: Shut up. <sighs> Is that for me? Yeah. You've got me beers and whiskeys, and I ungratefully accepted them. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much. You can put that in your decanter in your new home setup. I, I Once will, you finish that expensive one.
1: <laughs> I, I will have to drink what I've got, but yes, thank you. Oh, well, look at that. Delightful.
0: So now, But we're, yes. not, we're not supposed to
1: be <laughs> recording for another...
0: Well, let's now get into the episode.
1: What?
2: The goal isn't to live forever.
1: The goal is to create something that will. Welcome to Perspective, a podcast for wedding creators, where we sit down often with a special guest and talk about our many years of experience in the wedding industry so you can learn from us and grow your wedding business. And who are we? Well, I am Simon, and this is Gregalicious. Together we are Cinemate Films' Scottish-based wedding filmmakers who love nothing more than drinking coffee, sometimes beer, and talking with others about the stuff that we love doing. This episode is, of course, sponsored by With Jack. So if you need insurance, give them a listen. Give them a listen. Give them a, a a follow. Go have a look at their products. Ashley is very good at her job. However, Greg, who are we talking to today?
0: We are talking to Ryan Brown from Forged in the North. Hello, Ryan. How Hello. are you? Hello.
3: Hey, I'm doing good. How are you guys? Good, thank you.
0: Very, very well. And Ryan,
1: just in case you don't know, this is actually our 100th episode of the podcast. So. Uh, it was a little bit of a, a surprise to me this morning when when Greg um, reminded me of such a fact that uh, this is the hundredth episode, and he brought me a whiskey, and it was all very nice. So, thank you for being our one hundredth
3: guest. Yeah, well, congrats, guys. That's amazing. It's <laughs> yeah. uh, it's very cool to, uh, to that's that's a big milestone.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, it is. And I
0: just happened to forget. Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> So why don't you introduce yourself a bit for our listeners?
3: Yeah. So yeah, my name is Ryan Brown. I, um, co-founded, uh, the wedding studio Forge in the North with my wife, Heidi. Um, we started shooting weddings about 12, 13 years ago. Um, and it wasn't until maybe four years that we into that, that we kind of created Forge in the North and uh, I'm sure we'll get into more details on that, but, um, but yeah, I'm a photographer and wedding filmmaker. We, uh, both Heidi and I actually did both of those things right from the very first wedding. So we don't really view ourselves as just photographers that, that picked up video or or vice versa. It was sort of an all in thing all at once. And, um, yeah, we've been, uh, we've been at it for, for, like I said, 12, 13 years and have now expanded the team into, uh, into, uh, more people. We have a second studio now and, um, uh, just, just loving it actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and where is Heidi today? Heidi is, uh, she's, she's on, um, kid duty right now. Okay. Uh, we, uh, we, uh, we were hoping that she could join us, but we, uh, we had a, uh, a, a nanny, uh, scheduling, um, uh, mix up. So unfortunately, uh, I'm just, uh, flying solo today.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, we both have kids, so completely
0: yeah. understand <laughs>
1: Uh,
3: (laughs) sometimes that's how it goes (laughs)
0: yeah yeah so where whereabouts are you based then
3: yeah so we're based in uh in new york uh we actually just moved outside of new york city but we were in brooklyn for uh about 13 years and uh, most of our shooters are are in the new york city area we have one upstate um but yeah we're pretty much we kind of consider ourselves based in new york city
1: Yeah. Awesome. Uh, is New York city a a good place to to live? Do you enjoy
3: it? Yeah. I mean the city it's, you know, it's a, it's an expensive place to live. Um, and, uh, it, it, it's not necessarily easy to, uh, raise a family there. There's obviously space constraints and, Mm. and costs and things associated with that. But, um, you know, it's, it's certainly an amazing place to start a business. Um, there's just so many people to connect to. Mm. And especially in the wedding industry, I mean, you just, the density of New York city, just, you have so many people getting married in so many places that are Mm. within a subway ride or just a short drive. So, um, so we have, uh, you know, kind of uh, Rode along with that, uh, kind of energy that New York has. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, now we're outside of the city where we have a little more space with our kids, but, uh, still kind of consider ourselves based in, in New York city.
1: Mm-hmm. We've, uh, we've spoken to a few podcast guests, uh, from the States and some of them have mentioned that the community aspect of running a business is kind of lacking. It, have you found that because you are, you know, in and around a busy city that that's kind of helped with, um, with building a community?
3: Well, it's, there's, there's so many people here that it is sometimes I think a bit hard to find your little group, right? Like for instance, just one, one random New York city photography, second shooters group is like many thousands of people big. (laughs) Um, And so like, if you post a date, if I posted a date in there, I would get 40 to 50 people wanting to second shoot. And so it, it is hard to kind of like feel like it's a community when the, when the groups are so big Mm -hmm. now, like having been in this industry for a little bit, we've, we kind of have our small little group of friends that we have our own kind of Facebook group and community and get togethers maybe like 40 of us or so, Mm um, And we all kind of compete for the same clients too, which is interesting. I mean, not Uh exactly, but for the most part, we're sort of all in that same, um, uh, kind of market, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so that, I would say that is like what we have found. Um, and there's a couple other groups that are kind of more like country wide, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, but this one's more of like a New York specific group. And, um, it's it. I mean, I don't know what you guys have there. It's just, it's just like for us having that, that group is just so instrumental. Um, getting through COVID, uh, you know, crazy clients that you want to ask questions about kind of like field out uh, other opinions on. Um, and um, I mean, we've actually just in May had kind of an emergency. Heidi got really sick one week in May um, there's sort of uh, multiple factors to that, uh, that I won't bore you with, but basically she couldn't shoot this wedding with me. Mm-hmm. Um, we were supposed to do a photo and video job and we just immediately posted to that group and people are jumping in, helping us find people. Um, that's just kind of like a really comforting thing to have, right? Knowing that mm-hmm. you're kind of covered if, if something were to be a, a real emergency, like, like what happened to us. So, yeah. um, so, yeah, I'd say it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag. It probably takes a few years to get into it here. Um, maybe not mm-hmm. quite as, like, a small community as some other um, maybe smaller countries where it's, like, just easier to connect with people right away. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, we've probably got that kind of advantage because we are a small country. with yeah. uh, Although we are city-based,
0: yeah. Um, yeah, there's a couple of really good groups around that are either Scotland-focused or even just UK-based. And it's just, as you said, it was great support through the last couple of years and you can find second shooters. And yeah, it's, it's a good community around Scotland in particular, I'd say. Yeah.
1: You mentioned the word, uh, yeah. well, compete. You said you were competing for the same clients. How, how, hmm. how is that for business? Do you find that that's beneficial to kind of keep your eye on the ball? Um, or is it, Something that you have to kind of be wary of in the back of your
3: mind. Um, Do you mean in terms of our friend group, or just in general?
1: Ooh, uh, well, you were talking about your friend group at the time. Yeah, but I suppose. Well, yeah, friend group, friend group.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think with the friend group, everyone, everyone kind of understands it's somewhat fair game. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, like someone will post. Um, we'll, we always, every day there's posts of like, Hey, uh, you know, October 12th, Brooklyn winery, like who, like anyone available kind of thing. Sometimes there's a budget attached. Occasionally someone will chime in on that and just say, Hey, I, I'm actually talking to this couple. Um, I wouldn't mind like an extra recommendation. And so that kind of happens too. Um, some people sort of use their best judgment on how to like help each other out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, There's, I think there's enough varying price points even within our group, even though I said we sort of do compete, there is still sort of a wide range of, there's, there's kind of a higher end, more luxury market. Mm -hmm. And I would call it more of a middle budget, uh, kind of group of people.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, and so... Yeah. I mean, like, it's hard to know exactly how everyone's business is doing. I mean, everyone seems to be doing pretty okay. Like we're all full-time doing it. I, don't, mm-hmm. I haven't heard of anyone like leaving or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for us, we've, for, for many years now, we've had, uh, we've been very lucky in that, um, uh, we get a lot, a lot of inquiries. And so like, um, it's not ever really too much of a, of a big deal. If we lose out on one, there's usually one right around the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've we've worked pretty hard over the years to to get to that point where we have a lot of uh, lead generation. So um, so yeah, I think for us it's it's not a big deal. Maybe maybe a little trickier with other people in the group, but
1: yeah, yeah. okay. So tell me, in the North, how how did that become a a collective, and how yeah. do you manage a uh, 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 varying set of creative individuals under the one brand.
3: Yeah. So it's it, when we first started, um, it was just Heidi and I, and, um, soon into it, we, um, and it's, it's hard. And I actually don't remember exactly why we did this, but soon into it, we kind of thought, Hey, let's, let's see if we can add other team members, see what that would be like. Um, we reached out to just people we knew, friends that we knew that were in the industry. We called it Ryan and Heidi studio. And, um, this is, um, uh, us and we had, uh, two photo shooters and two video shooters. They each had their own companies. So I, it was, it was set up very differently than Forge of the North is set up now, which I'll, I'll get to in a second, but, um, we were all just kind of friends and we were, we were able to kind of share our leads with them. Um, I've always Felt that it's much easier to book someone else other than you if they are under your umbrella rather than just a referral. Yeah. Okay. Um, sort of like kind of keeping it in house. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a few years into that, we had fun, but we all kind of knew hey, we either all need to abandon our own companies and create something totally brand new um, and be really truly become a studio or a collective. Uh-huh. Or we just sort of need to part ways. And I think everyone was headed in a slightly different direction with what they wanted to do, which was totally cool. They are still our close friends. Uh-huh. Um, and so we kind of decided to just part ways. And, and Heidi and I just kind of started fresh. Um, that's when we created Forge in the North. The reason we rebranded was we wanted to eventually build out a studio and did not want our names attached to it. Yeah, um, okay. It was always sort of a goal of ours from the very beginning that we wanted to build out a team of shooters that we all felt ownership in the company and that when, uh, potential couples came to us, um, they didn't feel like if they didn't get Ryan and Heidi, they were getting some type of like second rate shooter or some beginner shooter. Yeah. So that was sort of the impetus of it all. And mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say that was a kind of like stroke of genius. That was just randomly what we decided to do. And it worked out. Um, we very soon after that added one photo shooter and one video shooter, and that's Paul and Bennett. And they're still with us. Yeah. So they've been with us almost 10 years. And um, Forge in the North was really started so that everyone on the team would be full time Forge in the North. There's no side business. Um, there's no alternate career. Like this is their bread and butter. Mm -hmm. Um, of course they do other things with, with their, with their photography work and their, and their video work, but this is definitely for, uh, for all of us, this is sort of our, our, you know, bread and butter and what keeps us most busy. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of how it all formed, I guess. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Yeah. That's really cool. Managing a group of, uh, individuals like that. I do, because I've spoken to a number of people who have had a kind of similar idea and the question always, like, they always talk to us because obviously we're a geo uh, under the one brand and they always talk about, um, like, how, how, how do you structure the business? How, how do you like pay each other? Like, who's, who's the secretary and, and all that kind of stuff. So if you don't mind for the people who are maybe thinking about managing or expanding into a group, like, how, how would you tell them to like, financially manage individuals or, or what roles would you imagine, um, giving to people yeah. right off the bat?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's a good question. There's, there's a lot of ways to slice this and, uh, I can kind of get into a little bit of what we did with our, our sister company, which is called after it all, which is also photo and video work. Um, So I'll, I'll touch on that in a second, but with Forge in the North, because we always had the ambition to build a team of people that were not transient, but that would be with us for a long time, which has worked out. Paul, like I said, Paul and Ben have been with us almost 10 years. And, um, uh, because that was important to us, I, we did not prioritize making money off of them in the beginning. And, to an extent, we still really don't. Um, the theory at the time was the more weddings we shoot, the more referrals we'll have from planners, from you know, bridesmaids and groomsmen and yeah. venues, and just more interfacing with people and other businesses. Mm. And so the thought was, let's build that out and not worry about making a ton of money off of our shooters And the sort of other effect of that is, of course, the shooters are getting paid more and are much more likely to stay. So I had to make it financially, uh, you know, incentivized for them to want to stay with us for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so when we first started out, um, we took a $1,000 flat cut off of all of our bookings for those people, and they keep the rest. So, all the gravy, all the overtime hours, any extra edits, all that kind of stuff, they keep that, not us. And so, um, and so I think, you know, and that ended up being on average a 10 to 20% cut, Mm -hmm. depending on what kind of package was booked. Yeah. I have, that is the lowest I've ever heard of and I've been doing this for a while, I've not heard of anyone taking as low as like a 10% cut to do what we're doing, which is the lead generation, the usually the initial contact or phone call, um, all of the uh, like invoicing, contract, payment, file, delivery, um, insurance, all of that stuff. Um, essentially the shooter's in, responsible for, you know, obviously some calls leading up and, and showing up and shooting and then the editing. And, uh, we do, we do everything else. So, um, we feel like that worked for the people that we had involved. Um, but I would say if like one piece of, uh, you know, sort of the the key, the key takeaway here was, I would say finding the right people is by far the hardest part of this whole thing. Um, figuring out how much you pay them, what do you do? What do I do? that all kind of falls in into place depending on who you have on your team. Some, cause like some people may want to um, use your studio as sort of a, a launching off point. And mm-hmm. it's obviously good to make sure that's clear in the beginning that, you know, Hey, this is probably like a two or three year relationship. Yeah. Um, some people are like Paul and Ben didn't want to run their own business. They had no interest in running their own studio they liked kind of being attached to our brand and creating this like team that we had. And so that was great. Cause like, that was what we wanted. Those were the types of people we wanted to find. Mm-hmm. And, um, we've since expanded to two other people on top of that. And so, um, we're all sort of on that same page where this is like, this is our main thing. And, um, yeah, finding those people are by far, that is, that is the most difficult thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, Jump gears real quick to our sister company after it all, which yep. we had, we, we kind of mold this idea over for a couple of years before we launched it in 2019. Um, essentially, we had um, an excess of leads. We had way too many leads coming in that we knew what to do with. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really want to raise our pricing too much because we'd be pricing ourselves out of the types of clients and weddings we want to shoot. Yep. and we'd be only taking a small fraction of those. It'd be it'd be a, l- a little bit more of a struggle to get everyone booked full. Yeah. Um. And so we had too many leads, and then we also had the issue of um, it, we may have been too expensive for certain clients, or we were already booked up. You know that kind of thing. So uh, we had this idea: of, let's create a studio that's lower price with more shooters for availability to cover those leads. So those are the two main goals of it. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we created this company called After It All. And we have three photographers over there um, and one video shooter. Mm -hmm. And that is structured a little differently. Those people we know from the get-go, they are a bit more transient. For instance, one of our shooters just finished school, and she's a full-time architect now. And Mm -hmm. so she's toning back to like five to 10 weddings a year, just sort of a moonlight job. And that that's she's happy. We're happy with that. That's totally fine by us. Um, uh, We've had a couple shooters uh, already have to leave because they've moved to different places in the country. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's, that's just how it's set up with that. The shooter gets paid an hourly rate and we do everything else. Um, Editing all the, we do as much as possible. And so it's sort of the inverse of Fortune North, where they get paid a set rate, we take the rest. Whatever else is added on, you know, all that those extras. Um, and so by doing that, we increased our profit margin with a, with a studio that charges less money, which is uh, was the, the tricky part of how we were trying to set this up is how do we charge less and make more? And that's yeah. kind of how that uh, all played out.
1: Mm-hmm. Am I right in saying, after all, .co is the right Website. Yes. Yep. Cool. Just for people who wanna check check out, compare the work. Um yeah, I think it's really cool. I
0: will give a, a look to that later. Do you did you have any concerns while starting that up that you might cannibalize some of your own leads? So if, if somebody inquires of yeah. Forge in the North and then finds out, oh you know, after it all exists, I'll just go a bit cheaper. Did you have any concerns about that?
3: Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, there was, it was, it was a, it was a little scary at first for sure. Like we, we had such a good thing going with Forge in the North. There was, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, it was like me, Heidi, Paul, and Ben at that point. And we had a studio manager, Kate and, um, and things were going really well. So there was an element of like, why are we deviating from this great thing that we have? um, but um, having after it all allowed us to do allows us to do other things, like put more time and energy into other kind of marketing efforts for both studios. Mm-hmm. So we felt like there was an advantage there to um, to sort of like everyone gets elevated um, by making this move. But for the most part, people don't find out about after it all until they've already inquired with Forge in the North, and maybe either we're all unavailable or we're too expensive. So if those right. two um, variables are met, then uh, that's when they kind of hear about after it all. Now, since we've been going for like four years, now we are sort of kind of generating, after it all is generating its own leads. Not mm-hmm. too many, but th- that is sort of happening and, and that's okay. That's still a very small amount compared to Forge in the North, kind of funneling those leads into after it all.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so yeah, I mean so far it's been it's been great. And it's actually been um, it's been going so well that we've expanded the Forge in the North team. So we have enough work to actually go bigger on Forge in the North.
2: Yeah.
3: And um, nice. that you know, we'll see kind of how that plays out. I think we we feel pretty maxed out. We have ten shooters and a studio manager and a couple editors. That's a lot of people to manage. Yeah. Yeah, That's man. just yeah. a lot of a lot of e- emailing and, and me being on the phone nonstop. And, yeah. um, so I feel a little bit maxed out that is, yep. it's sort of like, that's, a, that seems like a sweet spot unless we've made really big shifts in how the business is structured. But, um, but yeah, to answer your question, I think like so far it's been, it's been good. And, um, what we found is that there are just so many more people, so many more couples that have the budget that fits after it all versus Fortune North, even though I don't yeah. think Fortune North is even like that expensive or like into that luxury market. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still just the bulk of people getting married. There's so many people in New York getting married. The bulk of them have, I would call like a, a more like low to mid-sized budget for photo and video work. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, our our longtime listeners will know that we, on a much smaller scale, so not with 10 shooters or anything, we started a sister company And the idea was to go for that low to mid-range market as well and try and just send out second shooters to shoot it on their own. They actually edited it as well. But eventually we sort of got to the point where it was like, these are good enough that why don't we just move the shooters to our team and just (laughs) shoot more weddings under Cinemate? Yeah. Um, yeah, And they were all just freelance though. Like they weren't on contracts or anything. So... It wasn't a proper studio setup. It was just here and yeah. there when we did it. But yeah, yeah, it was definitely a lot of things to consider and manage. And I yes. can imagine the amount of admin and, you guys must have. Oh God, yeah,
3: yeah. It's it's a lot of admin. That um, uh, we have a studio. Like I said, we have a studio shooter that helps uh, helps with that. Um, but um, t- to your point, we we have had um, so Benjamin on the fortune is a little confusing. We have two Ben's on fortune North, uh, but one is Bennett, one's Benjamin. Um, the Benjamin started with after it all. And, um, he very quickly outgrew that. And his partner, Tina, who is still on, um, after it all probably will come up to a fortune North and they may actually become like a a video duo together on the fortune North team because she's also outgrowing after it all. Um, You know, it like, like there is that worry because like her work is so good that a lot of couples will look at the Forge of the North video work and look at her video work and be like, yeah. Hey, this is awesome. Like, and yeah, we can't, we can't just keep like raising the price on after it all Yeah, then becomes there's no difference. So, um, so yeah, it is, it, it is a little bit tricky, um, with, um, yeah, and and just find, like like I said, it, finding the right people to fit these roles is really the is really the challenge. Um yeah. I, would, I, I would say.
1: Am I right in saying that Tina would? I mean, if Tina leaves, would there be another? Because I'm just having a look at the names. You got Adam, Jennifer, Ali, Tina. Yeah, three of them are full and Tina is cinema. If yeah. Tina moves, are you
3: going to have to fill out the
1: the filmmaker <laughs> role?
3: Well, I would like to, um, but, um, you know, Heidi, like, yeah. So we have a couple, there's a couple feelers out there right now. And I think this has been just a nice advantage we've had of being in the industry for so long and having kind of a recognizable name in the New York market is, um, there are people that talk to us and kind of feed us people. Oh, Hey, like I, you know, this person might be a good fit. And of course there's 10 of us doing it. So we all have our feelers out. And everyone's constantly yeah. looking to see, Oh, well, this might, this person might be a good fit. And, um, so those things are very helpful. Um, when we first started after it all, we literally made like a job posting and it was a little bit more just like a cold call out there to people to apply. Um, and that's how it first started. But, mm. um, yeah, with video, um, to the, the one differences with after it all, or, or I guess similarity rather is that our, Tina does edit her own work. We don't handle the video editing. We just don't have the capacity to do, to do that on top of yeah. our own video editing and all the other things we have going on. So it's structured a little bit more similarly to the the North video shooters. And, um, and so, uh, we'd have to find someone that can, that can do those things and, um, yeah, it's it's very difficult. My I, I would argue maybe trickier with video than photo. Yeah, um, yeah, to find the right person that fits fits the brand and is you know trustworthy and can handle the clients and all that kind of jazz.
2: Yeah, yeah. So
0: going back to before Forge the North, it was just yourself and Heidi. You said that you started off from get go as like a hybrid team doing photo and video. Yeah. So what was your thinking behind doing that? And then how, how do you sort of even up until the current day, how do you seamlessly combine the two services within sort of one business?
3: Yeah. When we first started, um, I don't know what we were thinking. Um I think uh I think we just we had we had a couple of nice cameras after we, so we both went to architecture uh school and worked as architects for a little bit in those first couple of years of doing photography. And um you know, Heidi uh I told I told Heidi like uh when I had moved to New York and was working as an architect, I told her to buy a camera and like, hey, let's just have fun with this and see what happens. Um you know, when you're first, uh, you guys probably remember your first jobs, you will just do anything you can. I mean, you don't, you just have no idea what's, what's normal. And so it's like, Oh, they need photo and video. Yeah, I'll do it. Like I got it, you know, and they basically had no budget. These were like kind of friends of ours who were getting married. And, um, and so we just dove right in. Um, and, uh that led, you know, that, that ended up being for, for sort of a, like a first wedding, um, ended up turning out pretty all right. And that kind of led to another one. And, uh, of course this isn't work that we would like really show today, but like, um, it was enough to get, get the ball rolling. And, um, and I would say, you know, now, um, it's it, looking back on it. I mean, it was, I'm really glad we did that because it's extremely beneficial to be a photo and video duo and um, also be able to do both. Uh, this is something that we definitely market to our clients and and talk to them about is like, um, hey, like for Heidi and I, like we're both doing both. We've always been that way. And um, by the way, that's a pretty unique thing. Just to let you know, that's not going to be a normal thing you're going to find. That's uh, pretty rare. Um, I I don't really know anyone that does it like this. So there's a lot of photo and video duos. Typically, you have like a one on photo, one on video. Um, For us, we're switching back and forth throughout the day. There's a few different ways we handle that, but it definitely makes like the wedding day go a lot smoother when Mm -hmm. maybe I'm on video kind of like stuck in a spot where I I can't, I can't move Heidi's going to check, you know, our field recorder to make sure levels are good. Right. Or she's off on the side, getting photos and then sniping a quick little, um, you know, insert shot or a secondary angle or whatever it is. Um, So there's a lot of like efficiencies with that, that make it uh, very helpful. And occasionally we will split up like guys getting ready, girls getting ready. And each of us go to, um, different locations. I'll shoot photo and video. she'll shoot photo and video. There's a couple ways, <laughs> different ways we do this. Heidi will sometimes actually shoot two cameras at once. It's quite impressive. I don't do that. Oh, nice. Um, but she'll she'll hold a monopod and ra- be racking focus and and shooting photos. Um, oh. usually i'm I'm kind of switching back and forth. Obviously, it's helpful that most cameras are are most wedding cam wedding cameras are pretty hybrid focused mm. you know there's there's you can kind of do both um even though we we do shoot a lot of stills work on a gfx which we don't uh shoot video on but um yeah i would say kind of like to answer your question uh we definitely it definitely comes in handy on wedding days and it's is something we use as a selling point to our clients for sure
1: mm. yeah that's cool what so greg actually manages uh I was gonna say the company, but me, he manages me, uh, as part of the business. And, uh, it's something that I'm not particularly good at. I take the lead shooter role in the wedding. He manages more of the business side of the business. How do you manage an array of people? Like what, what software do you use? What, like even down to the, I don't know why I'm asking this question. You might be better at to ask this question, but like what kind of financial software do you keep records mm-hmm. on? Uh, what sort of like uh, group organization software platforms do you use to manage your team? Yeah. Like, yeah. What, what's your go-to software and stuff?
3: It's, uh, it's changed over the years, but where we've mm-hmm. been for at least a few years, three, four years now, um, is we use for um, invoicing, contract, and client facing as a sort of a CRM. We use a, a company called Bloom, uh, bloom.io. Um, they're kind of, I would say, they're just out of sort of the startup phase. They're, they're newer. They're definitely lesser known. Back uh, maybe four years ago, I did a deep dive on like five different platforms and just really could not find one that really ticked all the boxes. We started on the old legacy shoot queue system, which I don't know if you guys are familiar oh, okay. with Shoot-Q. Yeah. Um Shockingly, the, this old clunky queue system, which isn't really, it doesn't, it's not used anymore. They have a new version that are, that's totally separate from the old. Um, actually had a lot of studio functionality that I found hard, like, like there were things in like Dubsado um, that couldn't be done, uh, in, they couldn't be done in Debsado compared to this old Shuku system. So I was finding like some of these new snazzy ones that I was just like, I, I can't believe this can't be done. But anyway, <laughs> we, um, uh, became kind of close with the, uh, founder of Bloom and kind of took this risk in, in adopting it. But what was nice was, we kind of had his ear on how to develop it a little bit. So we were, we're we're definitely considered like power users on this platform. We're shooting 150 to 200 weddings a year. And so that's just a lot of stuff happening in that, Mm. in that app. And so we're able to give a lot of feedback and he's implemented a a lot of uh, features based on things that we've needed. So that's really nice when you like need something very specifically done and they actually just like build it for you. Mm. Um, and so it's not like fully built out to be a, a studio platform. However, there's sort of like some easy workarounds that, that we've used um, to do that. For paying our, our uh, shooters, we use a, a payroll service called Gusto. It's like an mm-hmm. online electronic payroll um, service. And um, yeah, it's easy to like pay contractors, second shooters. You can do employees. You can do retirement plans, benefits, all things through there. Um, those are the main things, and that way obviously like Gmail for all of our emailing. Um, but that is uh, that is pretty much it. PicTime is our gallery fo- uh, photo gallery uh, software, uh, and uh, all of our videos are hosted on Vimeo, which is pretty standard too. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah,
1: very cool. Uh, I'm going to do a little bit of uh, self promotion here, Ryan. So bear with me if you've enjoyed this conversation. Uh, you can follow us on YouTube at uh, youtube.com forward slash at perspective by cinema. Hit that subscribe button and uh ring that bell to get you notified. Know However,
0: how how do you main how do you maintain the sort of consistent style throughout your sort of portfolio when you're managing so many different creatives? Like there's different teams going out yeah. each day. How does the fortune and north portfolio and instagram stay consistent
3: yeah that that's that's something we think we've thought about a lot over the years i mean when we first started fortune north in 2014 2014 i think it was um paul and ben were very new to weddings um we essentially were their launching off point right and so, I would say Heidi and I found our sort of voice and our style around 2014, 2015, 2016. That's when we were really, um, kind of just just in in artist mode. You know, just really pursuing like different ideas and trying new things and um, figuring out what the heck we like and what is comfortable for us to to shoot. Um, I would say because of that, there was sort of a trickle down to Paul and Ben and that, uh, we became their main inspiration at that time, I would say. And so, so there was an element of, you know, we were creating sort of the, um, the sort of, you know, landmark, uh, pieces in our portfolio. And that was, that was sort of a reference, um, for, for them. So, um, now, of course, it's been almost ten years, and they each have their own voice. Paul, uh, Paul is a better photographer than than Heidi and I. Don't don't tell our clients this, but Paul <laughs> has surpassed us. Okay, uh-huh. so Paul is definitely and and honestly, each one of our shooters have their own little niche that they've created that is kind of different than Heidi and I. But I would say there's still an overall. There's some some kind of overall. Uh, motif in our work that I would say that it ties us together just enough um, uh, with still variations that make certain clients say, Oh, like I definitely want, you know, I, we love Ryan and Heidi's video work, but we want Paul to do the photo or Heidi to do photo and Ben to do video, whatever the case is. Mm. Um, and, but that, that is a tricky thing is like, how far do you push that? We actually just had a conversation with one of our shooters and he was worried that his, what he wanted to do with his work was just going to go too far in another direction. Um, but we, I actually loved his ideas and what he wanted to do. And I was like, just, you know, go for it. I think it's okay that we have different styles. Um, there's like I said, there's an overall sort of cohesiveness to the work and I think that comes through and maybe just, uh, it's kind of in how we think, see things. There's something about the storytelling that ties it together. I would imagine there's probably a lot of similarities in the client interaction and, and our sort of relationship with couples on the day of mm-hmm. that are uh, very similar to each other. But um, it's a great question. I mean, it's something we're constantly thinking about and evolving on. I don't have a definitive answer. There, are like a, <laughs> kind of going back to how you can pay your shooters and set, set things up. There's probably a dozen different ways you can do it. And I know maybe some studios have like, people with very distinct voices and they're, they're very different styles and other studios where it's just sort of, uh, monotone. It's just like one thing. Yeah. Um, with after it all, because we do all the editing, I would say that becomes the cohesive element in that work is the, the look of the images tends to be, um, similar in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then each shooter kind of has their own little, their own little story or their own little way of doing it. Um, yeah. but another thing that I tell our clients, especially with after all shooters is it's not just the work. It's also like the, the shooter's temperament. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, are they a soft spoken person? For instance, Jen is very quiet and observant. So I'm, I may not necessarily recommend her to like a a giant Greek wedding that's going to be, you know, 300 people and, and super loud and, 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 and very intense and energetic. She probably thrives in more of like that, you know, small wedding elopement kind of, uh, job. So, uh, there's, there's sort of that as well that we we're constantly, you know, dealing with.
2: Yeah.
1: You kind of, alluded to this um, a moment ago when you're when you're talking about your other shooter but my question was going to be about how you keep a group of creative individuals creatively motivated and to keep them pushing the the quality of your work yeah obviously you mentioned that you gave free reign for creative expression, which I thought was great. Are there any other ways that you manage and help push your team to stay motivated, especially when it gets really busy and everyone's just like editing all the time or just like slogging through a heavy season?
3: I would say there are two two big things that I try to push or think about most when it comes to this. So one is making sure the weddings and the couples that we work with don't piss us off and don't make this job harder than it should be. Yeah, And that has limited us slightly on where we can go with pricing, mm-hmm. but I think that's a worthwhile trade-off. I find that like a lot of people get burnt out in this industry because they're not working with couples they enjoy working with. For, for me, almost all of my couples I vibe with, we have a fun time, and it makes me love this job because of that. It's just the best. I feel lucky every wedding I get to go to. Um, I think a lot of people get burnt out because they're with couples that um you know uh, they don't like their work to begin with they want them to shoot like something else or or the personalities don't mesh or there's a lot of variables to that but so finding good clients for our shooters to work with that's that's sort of like what I can do um, to help them the other factor to this is all of us shoot other types of work and so I'm always trying to push them into uh, doing other things. Paul um, does a lot of fine artwork. He does sculpture work. He does illustration work. Um, uh, like a link to his like personal portfolios. I think right on our info page there, you can go check that out. Wild, amazing, incredible, talented guy. And um, so he has that whole side of his um, artist brain working on things while he's shooting weddings. And it comes through in his his wedding work, he has cool. certain shots that I'm just like, I, you are the only person in the world that could have gotten that shot. Like it is just so him, mm-hmm. um, you know, ben, both Ben's who do video, um, they shoot other types of work, documentary works and like commercial, um, content type work. Um, for Heidi and I, like I've, I used to do a lot of commercial directing work. I've shifted now mm-hmm. into a lot more, uh, commercial aerial photography work. Um, Heidi does a lot of fashion and beauty editorial photo work. Um, there's also just random little photo video commercial jobs we do on the side. So, yeah, all in all, we're all sort of trying to um, expand our 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 scope a little bit mm-hmm. and let those things inform our wedding work. Which I, you know, I tell our couples a lot is like we not all of us just do weddings. We're also doing other work. And here's why that's a good thing. It's a good Mm -hmm. thing because we're not getting bogged down with the same thing all the time. We're always having like a fresh look on things or getting inspired by other types of work. Um, you know, this is like something I tell wedding shooters all the time is like, stop looking at wedding work and start looking elsewhere. This is, Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously I did not invent this, uh, this, uh, piece of advice. This is a well-known thing, but, um, create keeping that creative diet, very diverse. And, um, and, uh, you know, if you're looking to, uh, you know, how, how can I photograph a couple differently than I've ever thought? Well, maybe you should watch, um, you know, lost in translation. Maybe there's something in that kind of obscure romance story that you could pull from, or there's visuals and all sorts of things. I mean, even, Apple commercials, right? I mean, these are some of the best cinematographers. Um, a buddy of mine is a creative director who does a lot of Apple work. He just had Hoyt Van Hoytema shoot his commercial, okay? So that's the guy who just shot um, who just shot Oppenheimer and who works with Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan. So th- these are things that we can all take inspiration from. Or editing. If you want to get a masterclass in editing, a 30-second spot is... I mean, how do you tell a story in 30 seconds? I'm not talking about most commercials. Of course, most commercials are kind of garbage, but I'm just sort of like, as an example, that the inspiration is everywhere. It's not just movies and it's not just other big fashion photographers or something like that. So, um, yeah, anyway, that, that's sort of the line of thinking we have with, with our shooters and trying to I guess just pushing them and keep keep keeping them chasing their dreams and other aspects other than weddings.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I love the fact that you, that you kind of, you, you, you tell couples that because I think the, I, I think the notion for people in the wedding industry is just, I just want to show my wedding work so that people don't think I'm just doing weddings on the side. And that's kind of the point where they stop where I'm like, yeah, but doing, first of all, weddings on the signs, a terrible way to phrase that, but um, (laughs) showing couples the benefits like you do, I think is hugely beneficial. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it's like, show them you and all the things that you can bring to the table with your unique voice and your unique, uh, you know, the way that you see the world. And we only get that as creatives by doing other creative work. Yeah. So I think it's great that you uh, push that for your, for your team.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I do think couples resonate with that. Um, you know, there is an element uh, that wedding photographers, wedding videographers, there's still a stigma that this is some, uh, like a low tier. um, These are the rejects from the, from the other industries and they've all now just started shooting weddings because they can't make it anywhere else. Part of that is um, well, part of that is maybe slightly true, right? That's one problem. The other, the other issue is that the barrier to entry for weddings is so low Mm. that the requirement is, do you have a camera and can you get to a wedding? (laughs) That is the, 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 that's, that's the requirement to to do this job. Um, baseline. Mm. Okay. So like you can't say the same about a big editorial campaign. You can't, you can't just walk into that job. Um, so that's probably some of the things that we're fighting, but, Mm. um, I do think, I do think couples, um, respond well to the fact that we're all doing other things and there's interest there. And, um, you know, it's, it's important to an extent, but I think as you guys know, weddings are a certain muscle, uh, with, mm-hmm. with video work or photo work. I sometimes hear couples, Oh, like, you know, we're going in another direction. My friend is a, uh, is a fashion photographer and he's going to shoot the wedding. Well, if that, they could be the best photographer in the world. If they've not done weddings, that is probably not going to go great. Yeah. (laughs) Or it's not going to go as good as they think it will. Um, you know, I mean, I even see like some of the very high end photographers who do like the Royal wedding and some of this other stuff. And I look at it and I go, I could name a dozen people right now who would do a better job than that, Mm -hmm. who are just in the wedding industry, just normal wedding shooters who would, um, without even trying do do a much better job than the best the best, most famous photographers in the world. It is just a very specific muscle to do weddings. Um, and so sometimes we have to educate our clients on that. But most of the time, I think people get it. I think um, they see the depth of the portfolios and they know the experience. And that, I think that does usually win the day.
2: Yeah.
1: What, do you When you go to weddings and when you're at your work, and you're doing what you do. Do you feel like you have a deeper feeling for the work that you do? Like, like what is your deep why for doing this
3: work? You know, it's, it's changed over the years, Mm -hmm. um, when we first started out and when we were, kind of what I was saying, like finding our, our voice and our style. Um, it was a lot more selfish and it was a lot more about us pushing ourselves as creatives and, and artists. Um, and there was this sort of a mentality of like this next wedding is like going to get me somewhere. Um, mm. That, that has definitely changed. I don't, I, I do think there's a, a flaw in that thinking. However, I, 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 we, I don't know if we would be where we are if we didn't have that sort of era in our journey. Mm. To an extent there, is, there does have to be a selfishness to this because for a couple of reasons. One, I I don't think you will really push yourself as an artist unless you have that. But two, I think you'll get worn out a lot quicker in this industry if you're not doing something that you love and you're pursuing and passionate about and trying to constantly one-up yourself. Mm. I think you will get really bogged down and just doing the same thing over and over again.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, and so I, 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 don't know, I don't know where that, that balance is. I think everyone has to find that for themselves. But I do think um, being a little bit selfish um, is actually an okay thing. There's, Mm -hmm. there's limits to that. Of course. Um, I see a lot of people in, in the New York industry because we do photo and video, it's really interesting. We, we sometimes do video only and work with a random photographer or a lot of times shooting photo only work with a random videographer. And, um, there is just, I'm always astounded at the egos you see, um, on, on people. And it's just, it's so foreign to me now where I'm at in, mm-hmm. in our career. Um, I just, I, it is, I'm so checked out of like trying to make myself look good or anything like that. Um, and, um, now I would say the shift has focused more to stability and making our clients happy. That's really mm-hmm. that, like, I just want to kill it for our couples And I don't, I don't need to one up myself anymore to an extent. I feel like we found our kind of style. And of course there's always fun little things to try and unique things, but generically speaking about our work, we've sort of found our voice and that's what people want to hire us for. And so I don't want to deviate too far from that. So Mm -hmm. now I just get a lot of joy in just showing up and just really helping that couple have an awesome wedding day. And, um, it's amazing that it took like over 10 years maybe to get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think I always think about like how epic this is that they get to have this work forever and it gets passed on generations. Part of this perspective I have now came off of me doing a lot of commercial directing work where I was, um, this is what I was signed as a director and I was doing a lot of treatments and traveling for random jobs and, Um, it was exciting at first and I did enjoy it. And there's getting on set with a big crew of people and having that collaboration is really, really fun. I really miss that. However, it started to really wear me down that I would work on this commercial and I would finish it and you would maybe barely get a thank you from that client. And At the end of the day, most people watching it want to click skip. Mm. And no one cares about it. You're just trying to make some big, rich company bigger and richer. And that started to really bug me. Um, Mm. And I started to have a new perspective on weddings and started to care a lot more about them. And just thinking about like, wait a second, this is almost the exact opposite. Yeah, it's not going to be seen by a million people, but to like a few people it will be watched and cherished for so long. And um, that's that's pretty cool. Like, I, and I I think about, like, my grandparents or great-grandparents. Like, how, how much would you pay to see 4K footage of them for an entire – that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Like, the thought that that could happen for someone in 50 to 100 years from now, that they're going to look back on someone that they barely knew or – never even met, maybe it was their, their great grandparents, great, great grandparents Um, that we get to kind of provide that for them is, is pretty awesome. I think. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at now. That's kind of my headspace in, in all this. And obviously we have kids and we have a family now. And I think about our other shooters and so stability, making sure everyone's taken care of, Mm -hmm. making sure we're all enjoying life. Those are things that kind of matter to us more. Um. Then you know what is this wedding going to do for me, and and how can yeah. I push myself to the next level? We're kind of past that phase, even though that is an important phase. I think we're just sort of on that next uh, uh stage of our career. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: yeah. the que- The question is, Ryan, are you making sure that you? have that kind of content for your family as well. Because every time I think of creative individuals or anything like that, I always think of that old saying, the cobbler's children have no shoes (laughs) all the time. It's going through my head and, and quite often, you know, I'll be doing something at a family event and I'll be like, Oh my goodness. I can't, I I don't want to deal with the camera today. I just want to be here. But the other voice in my head is like, no, you have to, at least grab a few images of people here because they're not always going to be here. So are yep. you making sure that you have that kind of content for your family?
3: We, we certainly try. Obviously these make it much easier to do that. Now yeah. Um, yeah. we, uh, maybe it sounds similar to you. We um, I'm not a carry a camera around all the time type of photographer. I know some, no. some of my friends who shoot weddings do that. I'm a little bit and. Em- envious of that because I think, um, well, for one, they get these beautiful, fun photos of their family and it's really a a cool way to, um, I guess a cool way to get back into the hobby of photography, which I, which there's, there's a, there's a joy in that, that kind of tapping back to when we all first had our cameras, when it was exciting and new. And I think that's, that's something that we all, probably either consciously or subconsciously want to get back to a little bit. Right. Like that, yeah. that is, that was such a cool moment in all of our careers where we were just, all these things were so new, like how to make a, a, a beautiful image. And, um, so like, I am envious of that, but, um, yeah, occasionally we'll do like, uh, some, some fun, like film shots or, or something like that. But for the most part, the phone takes over and we don't like carrying cameras around. Um, yeah. And, uh, but you know, now with kids, you're just constantly, there's just always something and you're taking out your phone and, yeah. Yeah. and capturing it. But, um, yeah.
1: And are you, are you printing them off? Cause I'm, I'm looking at your background here and I'm not seeing any photographs like, <laughs> on your back wall or anything like that. So I just want to. We just me-
2: moved.
3: <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay that's- <laughs> yeah. We just moved. We just moved. So it's, it's, it's very, fine. we're actually, we're actually in the future third kid's room, our office. So ah, it's all very like temporary wow. and we have a, a garage outside that's detached, a, a very large garage that we're going to actually rebuild into a shoot full shooting studio office, ah. um, kind of hangout zone. So that's sort of our long term uh, plan with that. And, um, oh. maybe, maybe in a few years, if we, if we have another conversation, you'll be able to see that in the background. <laughs> but, um, yeah, for now it's 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 a little it's a little empty. It looks very it, it looks very uh, stale back here for sure. <laughs>
0: that's okay. <laughs> that's all right. It's fine. <laughs> the, you were talking there about like wanting to do your best for the couple, and that's what sort of is pushing you along these days. And earlier yeah. you were sort of talking about wanting to work with clients that you're happy working with, but on the flip yeah. side there, like there's the client experience as well. Like you want them to be happy working with you so what what do you do within this pre-production stage within your client experience to sort of get them excited to be working with you
3: yeah i mean well one thing is just making it as easy as possible to work with you so answering emails quickly um we usually have no more than a 24-hour turnaround on anything any phone call email text anything like that um Part of that is having Kate, our studio manager, help with that. But it's also just a priority that we've made. Um, Our editing, you know, during the day, I'll spend more time answering emails, not actually more time, but I will make more of a priority to answer emails and talk with clients and make sure they're taken care of. Um, And this is, it's amazing. Like we have won so many jobs just because we communicate quicker we will have like ten emails back and forth before the next guy even sends the pricing. Um, we've a lot of we've gotten a lot of work that way. It's, clients tell us they're like, "Yeah, like honestly, like it was huge that you just communicated right away. You just made the pain of wedding planning go away." Yeah. Um, so part of it is just all that stuff in the beginning, just making it really easy for them. Um, you know, we have a bit of like we don't have like a defined pre-wedding routine. We always tell our couples, we kind of let them lead that. And what I mean is, especially in New York, there's so many different types of clients and couples. Sometimes a planner is involved for it from the beginning. Sometimes it's a month of coordinator. Sometimes it's a venue coordinator. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it's a couple that wants to be really involved or really not involved. So I don't, it's never felt right for us based on our clients to kind of force feed. You need to go through these steps with us in order for this to work. Yeah. There is a survival guide that we send our couples three months out that has just some quick tips and tricks to think about. And then like four requirements four things that we just need from them before the wedding. These are just like very standard. You know, we need a timeline. We need a point of contact. We need Mm. to know if there's an insurance requirement that just kind of the base a family photo list. Um, but they kind of do that on their own time. And, um, yeah, we find that like some couples book us and we see them a year later at the wedding with almost no communication because that's what they want. Um, and other couples are, we're just like constantly talking with them and, and, um, I was, you know, we just, we, we follow their lead on that and I'm happy to kind of go in whatever direction they want to go. Um, mm. you know, day of the wedding like this is a little harder for me because I, my personality tends to be very like quiet, introverted a bit, maybe stoic looking at times where I'm just kind of like in a thinking mode. Uh Um, But this is something that I find, this is the easiest tip to, for anyone to adopt, but it's something I find that most people fail at is just having a smile on your face all day long. Like, it, it, it sounds so silly, but I, I can't tell you how helpful it is to the couple to look over to you. And for you, they want to know one you're enjoying it because yeah. this is their wedding day. This is the biggest day of their life. They kind of have an expectation that everyone's going to love that day. Um, and so you need to be in on that and you need to be enjoying it too. And so even if you're having a stressful week or whatever's going on in your life, you gotta, you gotta show up and smile. Yep. You gotta be there. Um, for me, like I'm, uh, I'm constantly checking in with them to make sure they're taken care of. Can I get you a water? Do you need anything? Yep. Like, how are you feeling about this? Like, I'm, con- I'm as the photographer or videographer, you're glued to them all day. You become their chaperone, and you become their kind of uh, therapist and protector. Yep. And yeah. there's sort of like all these roles that we fill. Um, Maybe slightly more with photo than video, I will say. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's still an element of you. I'm I very tuned in to their emotions and how they're feeling, and like always paying attention to their facial expressions. And they, you can you you can sense when something's off, when something's wrong. If they need something, you, you go up and help the situation.
2: Yeah,
3: like it, it could be anything. Sometimes, it's like putting your camera down and just fixing something that, that went wrong. Um, and so, um, couples really appreciate that. That's something we didn't do as much of earlier on in our career. Um, it's something that comes very natural to Heidi, much more for her than me. Um, Heidi is, uh, wish you could meet her, but she's the type that, um, uh, you, you, basically all of our brides believe that they are best friends with Heidi at the end of every wedding. Um,
1: <laughs> I love that. Awesome. It's, it's
3: actually, it's actually, it's, it's so good that it's bad. And the fact that like we have, like, we have to, you, you know, we shoot so many weddings, you, you kind of have to break up with these people <laughs> at some point. Right. And so yeah. you can't, you can't physically be best friends with that many people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, You know, she has a much easier time connecting with, uh, with couples than I do even. But, um, Mm. I think that, that actually, you know, reading through like reviews on our, on our Google page and stuff like that, I find that to be a very common thread, not just for Heidi and I, but for our other shooters, it's just people like us on just a human level. Mm. And that is massive. And, and especially with video, it's easy to get caught up in the technicality of, of our job. And, and, um, and oftentimes couples do not care about that.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah. I I think that was a a hard lesson for me to realize like midway through our career was the fact that I have just got to, um, reduce everything and stop thinking like a filmmaker all the time and just approach the day as a person and not a video guy. And just actually just be myself at a wedding and, yeah. and be helpful. And e- even even the last wedding, uh, this is going to sound absolutely ridiculous. I don't even know why I'm admitting this. But um, they were struggling putting on their buttonholes. And I realized yeah. whatever the mechanism was that they had on, I actually didn't know how to do it. And I couldn't help. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go away and learn how to do a buttonhole <laughs> with this specific clasp because I didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. I mean how embarrassing is that but i do like to try and be as helpful as i can yeah
0: um we had a we had a couple of strange interactions recently where the bride at the last wedding we're working on walked by and went she said something and then she was like good if you guys are happy then i'm happy and we, and we were <laughs> both mm-hmm. like it's your wedding day you you should be happy anyway surely <laughs> but you want us the suppliers to be happy yeah oh, all right <laughs> yeah and then like another yeah. booking that we got recently on the bottom of their booking form, they said, we just want you guys and the frog for to have a good day as well. This was for an elopement. So they're like, as long as you guys have a good day, that's what we want. And just do anything creatively you want to, and we'll be happy. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
3: We, we hear that a lot as well. It's funny. Um, I think there's an element of that. They respect your work. And so they want, you to be comfortable making that work. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that when you hear that, I think that's a really good sign because I think it means that your work is at the level of, Oh, they, they think this is like magic that we're performing essentially. (laughs) Yeah. They have no idea how it's done, but they want to make sure the magician is comfortable. Um, and, um, yeah, it's but also I think it just speaks to the personality of the couples. Like those weddings usually are going to be really fun. Yeah, yeah. and they are concerned with um, creating an environment that everyone can have fun around them. And so, like that's their their head is like is not like inward focus. It's like let's all have a good time, and obviously that just like goes well for for what we're trying to do too. So yeah, definitely. yeah.
1: have you ever? have you ever been shooting a speech and maybe the bride's gone up and she actually thanks you for being there and for doing your job? I, I can't help but get a little bit emotional when that happens. Strangely enough, during speeches, but I'm, I'm editing a film right now where it was another photographer uh, who was getting married and she chose us to be there along with another photographer. And it was so important that we were there And we, there was a a long bit in the speech where she just opened up about how important it was for us to be there. And I've just finished editing that speech. But during that moment, I remember on the day getting emotional and even on my, on my computer, I was getting emotional there as as well, but while, while editing away and I just thought, man, it's so special that we get to have that kind of relationships, that kind
3: of relationship with our clients. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It is something special.
3: Um, but I mean, for me, now having two daughters um, and a third on the way um, <laughs> is um, the all the daddy-daughter moments um, hit me pretty hard <laughs> on yeah. wedding days. Um, I don't know how common this is in, in the UK, but occasionally we do first looks, dad and daughters before yeah. the groom. Yeah. Um, so if those happen and the dad starts crying, I'm done. You know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like teary eyed trying to make sure I get focused. Mm. And, um, so those moments or, uh, you know, obviously like the first dance or the walking down the aisle, all those, those sort of traditional father bride, uh, moments. Um, those, those tend to get me pretty hard now. I sometimes warn warn our couples um or they'll like look over and like wonder why i'm like uh, just completely glossed over um yeah
1: yeah i like those as, as well those those moments with the the dad seeing his daughter for the first time we uh, i don't know if this is a common thing but we call them dad traps um just because dads over here don't tend to show emotions very often, or, or that tends to be
0: stereotypically, yeah.
1: Stereotypically, you know, terrible. Um, yeah. but they tend to open up and, and well up during those moments where they, they open the door and the bride's got her dress on and we've sneakily put a, a little microphone in his little jacket pocket just to capture what he says. Yeah. Ah. Uh, I love those moments. They get, they get me every yeah. time they get me every time.
3: Um, so it's, it's interesting cause it, yeah, it's taken lot I mean, yes, I always appreciated those starting out, but mm. I, it's taken so many years for me to get to that point where that is what I live for now. And yeah. that those moments are really why I'm there. Um, mm. I mean, how long, how long have you two been doing this?
0: We've been 13 years. Yeah
3: yeah okay so very, very pretty yeah. much right around the same time yeah mm. so that that sort of arc uh is probably i don't know if you could relate to anything i was saying there but um mm-hmm. seems like we're kind of landing in a similar zone yeah. uh yeah. where we are where you where, where you two are
1: hey i'm ashley from with jack I'm one of the sponsors
3: of the Perspective podcast. With Jack helps to keep photographers in business by supporting them financially and legally if they have problems with a client or they make a mistake in their work. We've all had that fear of our CF card
1: or our hard drive failing and losing important photos. You can find out more at withjack.co.uk. Head over there and find out how we can help you be a confident creative. your style of work In um, if i yeah tell us about the style of films that you create
3: not your team just you yeah it's uh it's funny like whenever of course i'm sure you get this a lot too clients will ask this as well <laughs> yeah uh how, how do you how do you do how do you describe your style mm. I've always had a very hard time answering this. Um, and for clients, I always just say, well, more than anything I can say in words, the just watch the work. That's that's what matters more than anything I can tell you. Um, but because I'm talking to filmmakers, I can't just say that. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I would say big picture are... Our, our, the whole way we see things is rooted in our architectural background okay. in architecture. There there's um, you spend a lot of time thinking about a sense of place. You, you spend a lot of time thinking about uh, a story in your work in terms of circulation and how people move through spaces. Um, there tends to be uh, in architecture. You, you're thinking about huge, big site plans, aerial views all the way down to little, door details. Right. So mm. that kind of mentality, I think somehow infiltrated into our filmmaking work. Okay. Interesting. And it, just, just as a side, just as a side note to that, it's been really weird because we get a lot of architect clients Okay, and yeah. I, I talk with these architects and I, when they I find out that was our background th- th- we all kind of have this, okay, that makes sense. Why there, there's some, there's something there that seems to be architectural in nature might be more in our photo work than our video work. Mm-hmm. But, um, I think there is something there with, with the video work. Um, you know, there's some sort of mix of, uh, of sort of real documentary, um, uh, very unstaged moments Mixed with a fast beat cinematic kind of storytelling, Mm -hmm. but there is, um, there is enough variation in the work that I would say there's a slight, and we can get into this a little bit too, but there's a slightly, uh, client led style. Um, we approach our clients after every wedding and talk to them about what they would like to see. Mm -hmm. Um, so we, we ask them, uh, You know, uh, do you want speeches? Uh, Do you want vows? Or do you want this to be more like a music video? We talk about song selection. Um, You know, because we are not having things scored to our edit, Mm.
2: um,
3: which is a traditional, if you go in commercial TV, movies, you work with some type of scratch track or temp track to create an edit, but then someone scores to your edit, um, which is for a lot of reasons, a good way to do it. <clears throat> um, but of course when you're doing weddings, you don't have, um, the ability to most people do not have things scored to their edits. <laughs> so we're oftentimes letting the, the music track dictate, um, the flow of, of whatever we're trying to, whatever we're trying to do. So mm. one, we spent a ton of time tracking down music. <laughs> um, yeah. and then, and then we use that to our advantage to tell us to, to tell whatever story we want to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I don't know. I mean, I'd, I'd be curious to see, to hear what you guys would say about the work. Uh, I, you know, like, again, it's just like, I feel like when you get so zoned in on your own thing. You don't really even know what you're doing.
2: But,
3: mm. I mean, you
1: are right. Yeah. I, I, I do get the impression that you are more client led, um, by the way that you shoot as well. Yeah. But I do wonder, like, is when, when you, when you have these varying stories to tell from, from couples and, and the way that they want you to present a film, do you ever think about, um, shooting techniques like does the process ever come down to like on the day i i'm going to do things differently today because of Mm. this couple in particular you know like they they want more of a handheld kind kind of vibe like a more of a homemade type vibe does that kind of process come through on the on the day or like are there any go-to techniques that you kind of rely on and then make that kind of feeling in the edit
3: that's a great question. I mean, um, for the most part, we approach each wedding day the same. And what I mean by that is there's still a lot of um, playing off of the couple's personality. Yeah, And I think if you have calls ahead of time, emails, even showing up on the day, if you're observant to it, you, you, you get a good sense of kind of what interests they have Mm-hmm. what may be important to them on a wedding day um you can again you can kind of infer this also from what kind of videos they may be mentioned in the initial questionnaire oh we loved this yeah. wedding that you did okay so mm-hmm. that tells me they are interested in a party and they want this video to look like a party yeah and they want people watching it to feel like they missed out on a party right like yeah. that's the vibe yeah now i wouldn't say it changes a whole lot how we shoot um, and like some of our portfolio is quite old. Some of it's kind of new. It's a mix of, there's a, a long era that's being shown in our current portfolio. But
2: okay.
3: nowadays, um, we shoot handheld mm. all day except for ceremony and speeches. So we're, we're never, um, on a tripod or a monopod and I shoot the entire day on one, one fixed lens. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it's, it's a setup that is, you know, just very, very small. Um, I find that it allows us to feel like we're just a guest with a camera, which is definitely a goal of ours on any wedding. Yeah. Um, and I also feel like, um, and this has changed over the years, but with video, um, it's very easy to get bogged down in a lot of technical things and um, gear mm. and um, all these different tools that we have at our disposal. We kind of went through that phase a little bit. We never dove too heavily into that. But yeah. now where I'm at is, again, being a good human being on the day of yep. and just being ready to capture anything. And I find that a very simple setup mm-hmm. is the best way to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been on weddings where we're doing photo and there's a videographer and they are literally just like missing tons of amazing <laughs> moments because they're balancing their gimbal yeah, or I know, they're right? yeah. fidgeting with something. And, mm-hmm. um, to me, I just think that misses the mark in such a big way. Yeah, um, yeah. and, uh, so, you know, part of our style is certainly, uh, feels probably very raw because of that handheld mm. um nature to it. There's like we're manual focusing all day, things are falling in out of focus, something's yeah. wobbly. It's not the perfect shot, mm. but we sort of use that to our advantage and I think create an energy with that. Um mm. and um there's again, there's just a freedom to handheld shooting. Yeah. that uh, other types of shooting, I think, lacks uh, in a big way. But um, yeah, happy to like talk, talk more about any one of those things. But Yeah, yeah.
1: well, we, I, we, we take a similar approach. Um, and again, this was something that we f- kind of learned like halfway into our career. Maybe not even halfway, actually. It's, we've been shooting like that for a while. But um, I do remember... Like we used to go to weddings and it, it used to be like al- almost formulaic, right? It was mm. I want to get this shot, I want to have a because s- we used sliders back in the old days. I don't know if you remember. Do you remember sliders? God, those horrible, horrible things. We had them. <laughs> yep. uh, yeah, yeah. The the I think did we talk about this in the last episode? I can't remember. But the whole like aisle reveal from behind the last yeah. row to reveal, and uh. you're like you're going through a checklist of things, and then you're like, oh, it's this you're becoming a machine and you don't at that point, you're not really creating like you to me now, like a wedding film is full of emotion and tears and hugging. And it's not the, the perfect reveal from behind an, uh, you know, a seat to the couple standing in the middle of an aisle, you know, it's, it is handheld and um, it's handheld because, you are the fastest you can be when you are handheld. Like if there's a moment over here and a moment over here, you're just here and then you can run over here and shoot. And it's very much, uh, you are just a person you don't need to think about. Oh, got to get all the legs of my tripod, lift up my camera, move over here, set it all up. And by that point, the moment's gone. And it's, yeah. So for us, it's very emotion driven.
0: I totally agree with what you were saying about your style, the way you approach a wedding doesn't tend to change too much based on what you know beforehand. Yeah. Because yeah. Like, We've got a questionnaire that we send out to our couples that we've had the same questionnaire for quite a few years now. <laughs> and we've said to ourselves, like we told ourselves back then that oh, this is because we'll learn more and we'll know what's mm. important to them and we'll it'll decide how we approach a day. But really it, it doesn't change much. We read it and it's like, oh, that's cool to know. Yeah, but then we still shoot handheld ninety percent of the day, only sermon speeches on tripods. Mm. But so yeah, it doesn't change that much really. Yeah, the thing it does. I think it's self evident. Yeah,
1: but the thing uh, going back to kind of what you were talking about is what it does help with is that client relationship, which you can go in and you kind of you already know who the bride is. You already know, kind of her interests and stuff, and and maybe you found out you've got similar interests. Like, mm-hmm. I love uh, I love gaming, and I love when I go to a bride's house and she's a gamer too, and we're just like nerding out about Zelda or something mm-hmm. crazy, or 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 talking whiskey, or or you know, like all these other things. And you kind of have like you create that little bit of a an excited weird bond in the in yeah, the kind yeah. of kind of this part of the day and it lasts throughout the whole day. And that kind of excitement is fun when you have it with a client and yeah, Yeah. then you'd really do start to have a good time at a wedding.
3: (laughs) It can, and it can really open up, um, what that couple gives you in like a portrait session, for instance. Yes. Um, this is this is a much harder job for a videographer than a photographer mm. because there still is more of a focus on the photographer running things on a wedding day. And so when I show up and I'm just doing video, um, now I have the relationship of the photographer and the bride and groom to manage, not mm. just the bride and groom. Whereas with when I'm doing photo only, I, be especially because I shoot video, mm-hmm. I know, I know I'm going to get the videographer good shots that, so I don't have to worry about them having to do fancy things or, or I don't really have to worry about necessarily even how good they are at their job because I'm going to give them something great to work with.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, which you don't always get the other way. Yeah. Um, you know, and so Sometimes it's very hard, like with video, because it's a a last minute add on or was, you know, they're just not they don't think about it as much. Um, So it can be it can be tricky to connect sometimes. Mm -hmm. But um, going back to what you're saying, yeah, I think just with like the what's important to the couple, I think that becomes self-evident the day of if you're observant to it. Yeah. Yeah. Versus looking down at a list of oh, what did they say about what they, oh, whoops, I just missed that moment. Um, (laughs) You know, so um, I think, and and again, being handheld lets you follow the action wherever it is very quickly. So um, I'm always ready to capture something. And uh, again, if there's a relationship, say it's a grandmother, the last living grandma is there, right? Mm. Um, That, if that's important to them, they're not going to ignore the grandma all day. So I don't have to manufacture this moment. Yeah. They're of yeah. course going to spend time with this person and have a moment with them. So if you're ready for it, you'll get it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, setting up a slider in the reception, trying to get that detail shot down the table, that's not going to get it. You know, yeah. that's not going to get you there.
2: <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so,
3: yeah. Um, like, like- but yeah.
0: Let's let's get bogged down in gear for a minute. Then, so what what is the specifics of your kit? You said it's usually one lens all day. So, what what camera body and lens yeah. are are you using?
3: Yeah, well, we are Fuji ambassadors, so we shoot all Fuji gear. Um, not because because we're ambassadors. We we fell in love with the gear. A couple of things about it: the GFX, we fell in love with for photo reasons. It's a medium format camera. It's just mm. an am- amazing, amazing image quality. Not super well suited to weddings, but we enjoy that about it. Uh it's not for everyone. For video we use um well now we use uh the XH2S. Um uh before that we were on XT4s, before that XT3s, XT2s. Uh we shot a little bit on the XH1s as well. Um but the XH2S in my opinion, is like the best wedding camera um, for a couple of reasons. One, I think uh, crop frame is very well suited to weddings for the fact that you get you kind of get that middle ground of good image quality, larger sensor than say a micro four thirds, but also you get pretty good stabilization, better than full frame. So because we're handheld all day, that's kind of important to us. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm sure full frame cameras will get better stabilization over time, but I think it will just always be true that the smaller sensor gets the better stabilization. So that for us has felt really like a really nice sweet spot. Mm. Um, People often forget that the Arri Alexa is a crop frame sensor. The the cameras that most movies are shot on is not full frame. Yeah. most people, a uh, wedding filmmaker, i this got lost on me very early on in our career where you just think bigger better. and there's a, there is a small truth to that, but um I think there's i think it's it's not everything, right? And there's right. so much more to how a film will look other than the sensor size. Um, but um now the cameras are I mean, it's like amazing compared to where we started, right? like four k one twenty and like you can like there's even like a, a a a full gate 6k mode on the XH2S which is yeah. great for certain situations so um there is uh yeah it's just it's just a great time to be in, doing what we're doing because the tools are amazing now yeah um the uh lens of choice now is this Laowa 33 uh, f.95 it's um yeah it's this big it's got a, 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 declicked aperture. Um, the throw on the focus is, is really buttery and it's like, um, it's like a $400 lens, $500 lens. No, I think it's like 400 bucks. If I drop it on a wedding day, I just, it's okay. I'll just buy another <laughs> one. I'm not going to cry about it. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, this has been really fun to shoot on. It gets some really fun, like flares on the dance floor and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, that's pretty much it. We have some other primes we use in, in extreme situations where I need like that, you know, a, a longer lens or a wider lens, but um, that's really ceremony and speeches. We'll put a long lens on and yeah. and kind of stand back a little bit, but mm. um, yeah, pretty much the entire day is shot on that one setup. It's like a 50 millimeter equivalent. Um, and so, yeah, the X-H2S gives you a free punch in so you get another like, 20, you know, you can get from like 50 to like 70 millimeters, Mm -hmm. um, all with the ability to shoot in 4k. So, Mm -hmm. um, you kind of get, you kind of get two lenses out of it, I guess you could say, but yeah. Um, yeah, Yeah, that's, that's sort of, um, that's sort of my, my primary setup.
1: Yeah. That's cool. You know, that, that thing about, um, how good cameras are today. I was having this conversation online with someone and they were talking about um i funnily enough it was log the log conversation again that we keep having on this podcast is like yeah log and 10-bit and and they were like oh do you ever struggle and i'm like no if i if i ever feel like i'm i'm struggling with with what i have right now i remember like 12 years ago when we were shooting on a uh what was it was it a Sony? Six, 60d maybe uh, 60D. It before mm. that do you remember our first cameras the ex3s oh god this was like a <laughs> oh, camcorder wow on rails, but I really wanted that kind of cinema kind of depth of field. So we had a lettuce 35, um, converter. Now this thing was mm-hmm. essentially you, you'd, you know, macro focus onto the back of the lens and it would, um, the, the plane would vibrate. So you'd have to have a, a battery in it. And it would allow for that kind of like that 35 millimeter depth of field. Right. And then you'd put wow. a lens on that. So this thing was like massive, and, yeah. and super heavy and yep. <laughs> and I'm like and, and I can't even remember what codecs it shot but pro- probably not healthy ones uh, for colour grading and all that so uh, <laughs> when people come to me and like oh it's, you know you're, you're not shooting in the right bit depth. I'm like come on yeah. just <laughs> You again I, I feel like I'm sounding old again but like you, you kids just don't know how good you've got it
3: you really don't <laughs> Well, (laughs) no, but there is truth. I mean, we are, we are approaching, I would, I would argue we are, we are plateauing in terms of the year over year quality Mm -hmm. increase. Like, so the last 10 years we've, we've gone from the first, uh, SLR, DSLR video camera to now, um, shooting, I've done shoot commercial shoots where, my Fuji camera is being cut in with Alexa footage Yeah, at yeah. work and it look, and it looks good. It's hard to yeah. tell. Um, so we're approaching kind of an end game here where it's not, it is really, um, not going to be huge. I'm sure low light will continue to improve, but, um, for the most part, we're, we're very lucky now. And, uh, yeah, especially for us, we we loved shooting in 120 for like portraits, yeah, and um and some dance floor stuff at times. And so I I I will say the one kind of very technical leap we've had is the 4K 120 since mm-hmm. a few years back, and that that I've enjoyed haven't just just be able to have that the full video in 4K is nice, but it's never been a deal breaker. I mean, we initially shot on 5ds, um, yeah. oh yeah, handheld, no stabilization. Just it, like so many things working against you, <laughs> like <laughs> so many like you have like no help with anything trying to get yeah. that shot um and we made it work, and it was fine you you but um but now it 's great it 's like fully stabilized and peaking yeah. and focus checking and mm-hmm. zebras and all the stuff you have right built into the camera now um, yeah. do, what what do, do you guys shoot on
1: so where sony um a7S3. A7S3, apart from yeah. the A7 IV. Yeah. Um, which, again, yeah. is quite handy to do the whole punching thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but you, when you were shooting with the 5D, was it the 5D Mark IIs? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That was the first camera I ever owned.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a mean one changed the industry. Yeah. It changed so much. Do you remember. Yep. Uh, it had, um, a third party software that you could install to get like yeah. graphs and uh, to get rid of the limit of the recording yeah. limit.
3: Yeah. Oh man. Magic lantern. Mm-hmm. Magic
1: lantern. That was it. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah,
3: man. Yeah. That, oh yeah. Man. That was, I, me- that I was... messed around with that. Yeah, yeah, that was, and there was, <laughs> I remember like later iterations of magic Lan- lantern, let you do raw. Oh recording. yeah. Yeah. I remember that. And, remember that. and um, like, I mean, it was really raw. Like, you, like a whole wedding day would it be would be like two terabytes of footage. You know, mm. uh, more, more probably. Actually, it was just it was crazy. But some some people were like really into it. Like, oh, raw. You know, like yeah. <laughs> there were some diehards um, for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, do you, do you have any like tips or or or? or techniques that you use to help you shoot handheld for our listeners who might be thinking, I want to try it, but I'm scared that our footage is going to be just shaky. Um, especially for photographers, I think, because, um, they might be wanting to dabble in video. Yeah. Yeah. A a lot of photographers have come to me and and asked for tips and stuff. Um, but yeah, do, do you have any for them?
3: You know, I mean, the the easiest thing you can do is go out and test some of this stuff. Know where your limitations are. I've over the years have developed extremely steady hands that I can handhold very long lenses. That's Mm -hmm. just how I am. I don't know. Uh, Ben uh, on our team, his footage tends to be pretty shaky. He doesn't have steady hands. Um, He's kind of worked that into his style, which is interesting. Uh-huh. Um and again there is a rawness, a realness to that that uh, I don't know if it's like a home camera vibe or there's just mm-hmm. you can tell there's a human element to that operation. Yeah. But um he's he's just it's it's embedded in his style now. But uh yeah, I would say like in terms of like handheld just really knowing your limitations, knowing okay, with this like stabilization and and uh, and this lens, and doing like a backwards walking. This is kind of how that's going to look, and kind of knowing what to expect. Maybe even like taking it into um, into your editing software and putting more stabilization on. Say, oh, does this work or not? You know, just just testing things out like that. I think is really good. Yeah. Um. But um. You know, the the other thing is like it doesn't always have to be moving our, our work, much of our work, almost every shot is moving. Um, our many shots are, um, uh, but it doesn't, it doesn't have to be that it can, you know, locked, you know, go watch, uh, go watch, you know, um, uh, you know, no country and Roger Deakins and mm. see some of those locked off shots and tell me that that is not just a complete masterclass in locked off shot storytelling. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't need fancy things to do it. So I think part of it's just like developing your own style, your own voice. And and that just takes time and repetition and and things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, but for photographers, I would just say, you already know how to get exposure, right? So that, that part of the equation is, and you already should know basics on lighting and composition. So all those things are good. So, um, you know, what I would say is trying to get in and edit some of your work. Mm. Um, Even if, even if ultimately you hire an editor to do your stuff, I do think there is a back and forth editor to shooter, or I guess editor to director. There's kind of the role we're playing on a wedding day is like being able to see how, okay, I directed this shot, this shot, this shot. I'm in the editing room. How does that come together? What did I miss? What did I miss? Mm. You know, that kind of stuff so i do think actually editing the work even if it's not great it it's just like exploratory i think is important yeah. um yeah
2: yeah you
0: mentioned earlier that when you go to a wedding as a photographer you're confident that you're going to get the filmmaker some amazing shots like on couple shoot so what what yeah. is your approach to the couple shoot and like Do you have any go-to like setups or instructions for the couple that you know are going to get you that stuff?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, one reason I know that is because we've had this hybrid approach for so long that when we, when say Heidi and I, or me and anyone else on our team are shooting together, we're not, it's not like here's the photo time and here's the video time, which if the Photo, the photographer and the videographer are, are very different. You might have to do that. that. That is a scenario that might have to just be the case if it's so different that there's just no way you can overlap each other. Mm-hmm. And we've been there before. Um, but for us, just because I know I'm constantly moving our couples, um, that I would say like 80% of our photo work is the couple in motion. Yeah. And yeah. there's nothing worse as a videographer when you get there and the photographer is having them go into all these really static stiff poses all day. Mm. It's really frustrating because it doesn't really look good on video. It looks very fake and staged and it looks, um, you know, like you're just taking video of a photo, like it's yeah, not real. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no, of course there are some, there is some of that. And I think some of that mixed in can be cool, but Um, for the most part, I'm telling our couples to move in different ways. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it depends on the couple. Again, each session is a little different with the portraits in terms of like playing off their personalities. Mm -hmm. Some couples I know, like if I ask them to dance, they're going to just like go wild no matter where they are, even if it's super embarrassing. Other couples is just like, I won't even mention that to them just because they're, they're, they're not going to, they're going to feel they're going to get self-conscious and feel more uncomfortable and it's going to make more shots look less comfortable. You know, it's going to just compound and and get worse. So, you know, some couples need 10, 15 minutes of warming up and just trying stuff that may not look the best, but just to get them a little loose. And, um, I think this is where like, just having that human element of just being fun and, um a little self-deprecating and recognizing that this is a weird awkward thing we're all doing right now um it's very unusual and it doesn't we don't have to pretend like this is normal like this is weird and uh you know you have cameras locked onto you and we're like you're wearing these clothes you never wear and we're in a random public spot or asking you to like have pda with each other with like cuddling and oh just like oh yeah snuggle into her neck and all this stuff and like it's it's a bizarre it's a bizarre thing so we i tend to i tend to just recognize that a little bit with our couples and and Mm -hmm. we can all have fun with it and um no but it is it is tricky that is i do think it's like kind of the hardest part of the job in a way is like those portrait sessions and it's where people i think you can see Uh, the stratification of skill level among photographers and videographers is just looking at portraits um, and seeing how well they're able to handle those, those situations.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. What do you have any, like go to trick, like not even go to poses or tricks or like, do you have, do you have an, do you have a way of approaching a shoot when say the photographer is more uh, posed?
3: Yeah. I mean, if a photographer is too posy, I now, I, I, I do now tell the photographer mm. after you get this shot, can I try something? Um, yeah. just because what I'm getting on camera is just, it's just not going to be seen. I'm not going to use it. I know I'm not going to mm. use it. So it's like, why I don't want him to think that's getting to be, you know, him or her to think that that's like good for, for what I'm trying to get. So, mm. um, if, I mean, like a basic, just good first thing to do if you don't know where to start or if you don't know, um, if the couple's just like feeling a little stiff, just get them walking, Mm
2: -hmm.
3: walking to you, walking away from you, holding hands, stretching out while they're walking. Just get some movement, just actual Mm -hmm. physical movement.
2: Um,
3: and, um, you know, giving them little prompts or things to think about, you know, telling them like, Hey, like have, have a little conversation, but like, you know, we're not here to talk about taxes. We're, we're, we're flirting, you know, like this is like, let's have fun with this. You're, you're going, there's a little date night for you, right? Like that kind of thing where we're trying to get them loosened up and smiling with each each other. And, um, Mm. again, I think just moving, just walking is a good first step. That's, that's something anyone can do. um, and you know, it doesn't require complex posing or, or movements or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, it is tricky. It is tricky. I mean, like a lot of this does also come down to like seeing other good work and trying to imagine like, Oh, how, how would that have happened? Um, or how, how could I get them into that kind of, um, you know, pose? Mm -hmm. Um, but, yeah. I think just uh, it's also, and I guess this is maybe another thing is like, yeah, being, being okay with telling the photographer, Hey, I just need to take, uh, I-, I need to take two minutes after you're done here and try something before we leave this spot. Um, nine times out of 10, the photographer is like, Oh yeah. Oh wow. Oh, wow. I like that. Oh yeah. That's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. You know? yeah. And, um, pretty Quickly, I think you can kind of gain the respect of the photographer if it's going well, and you're all of a sudden doing things that they wouldn't be able to do. Um, yes, yeah, but yeah, it's kind of it's very situational, isn't it? It's like it, it, it depends it is, on the yeah. couple, depends on the photographer, the environment, mm. how that day's going. Yeah, it's just so I, many I, variables.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, though. I think you do garner some respect when you, you know help not help out maybe that's the wrong term but like definitely assist in creating a feel or a mood or put your ideas forth something that they can also like like if ever i'm directing or i'm telling a couple to do something or or trying to put them in the mood the the photographer usually benefits as well and i try and make sure that is the case um whether it's like putting them like sometimes there's like you know, we work with photographers who don't like sharp, that like you know that those uh, cutting shadows and and the harsh mm. light. Whereas I'd be more inclined to just throw a couple into the harsh light and play around with shapes and stuff. And sometimes, yeah, the photographers are like, you know, I I don't I didn't feel comfortable doing that because it's not really my style. But I really had a good time yeah. doing this and trying something new while you were doing your stuff. And you do like help each other out you do learn from each other and i think it's having that mindset rather than being too scared to initiate an idea in case you're going to stand on someone's toes because i don't think yeah. i don't think you're gonna go into a situation where the other person's gonna feel like you're standing on their toes rather than let's just be creative and play and and do some ideas that we've maybe had and you know go yeah. outside our comfort zone so
3: yeah. yeah, yeah. I think also just being willing to abandon a bad idea. <laughs> oh God, on. yes. You know it's yes. going to happen, especially as you're starting out. Uh-huh. You're just gonna you're just gonna give them a a prompt that in your head looks one way. Yes, and and you know, and then turned out totally differently. Um, yeah. So, um, just being able to move on and say, you know, you obviously don't want to make them self-conscious but
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, the, the lighting isn't what i thought it was let's try something else you know yeah yeah some way to get them past that um you know you don't want to be like oh that didn't work i don't like that <laughs> yeah it's, I, not gonna, I find- it's not gonna inspire confidence with their couple yeah
1: do you find yourself in that situation quite often because i feel like i do because i'm quite ex- it's a mix like I, tr- I try to do new stuff and sometimes yeah. it just doesn't work yeah yeah. Like quite often I'm very bad at lying couples down mm. like imposing them on the floor. I need yeah. to work on that. Or, or even yeah. posing like, not that we do a lot of like posing people sitting or whatever, but sometimes yeah. I just want them to be sitting on a wall or something. Yeah. And I need yeah. to work on that because quite often I've been like, yeah, let's go. Let's just move on. it's <laughs> yep. good. I, I got yep. it. I'm very fast at working. <laughs> yeah they never see that shot
2: (laughs) yeah Um, delete 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 Um, (laughs) Um,
1: walk walk us through your your typical process for for making a wedding then once you've caught all the content that you have from a wedding like what's your first step into like pulling an edit that's gonna be good
3: yeah we so yeah we do a lot of Prep work. I mean, for us, um, like I said, there's a questionnaire that the couple gets the day after the wedding. Mm. And so it's fresh in their minds and they can remember. So it's like basic stuff like, is there anything you definitely want to see in the video? Anything you definitely don't want to see in the video? We talk about mm. music, vows, speeches, things like that. Um, so as we're kind of gathering that info and thinking about song selection, we are um prepping everything I'm very meticulous about like organizing the footage and I get it um, very carefully organized so that um, mm. one it makes sense to anyone who's editing it um, and then two it makes it a little easier for us to like compile some raw footage chapters throughout the day which we offer in our packages um so mm-hmm. they'll get you know a getting ready video a, a portraits video a cocktail you know all those little... Uh, all those chats ends up being like 10, 10 videos. Those are unedited. Um, uh, aside from the ceremony and speeches, which have a little bit of editing just to make them look nice and polished, so that they click on a ceremony video, they can just watch their ceremony straight through. It's very, I feel like, in my opinion, a ceremony and speeches is sort of like a baseline kind of delivery. Um, that's what I've, that's how I've felt. I know people have different opinions on this, but I Mm -hmm. feel like it just, it's never sat right to me to not deliver ceremony and speeches. Um, unless the couple truly does not care about that or maybe, I mean, we did like might not even want them to be recorded. They just want that to live in that one moment and move on and that's fine. Mm. But for the most part, I feel like ceremony speeches is like baseline. That's what your job is. There, you got to get that. Like that's, that's, yeah. that's a big one. Um, the mm-hmm. rest of the raw footage is like, yeah, debatable whether you deliver that or not. We always have because mm-hmm. we only typically offer a three to five minute highlight video and then anything else is like an add on. So we're only doing that highlight video. And so I feel like that's a very small thing to give them, even though we spend dozens of hours on that at times. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's. It feels like a little like they may feel like oh that doesn't compared to this other videogra- videographer who charges half as much. She's delivering like an hour long edit, a twenty minute edit, a five minute edit. Um, and so we've always felt like the raw footage is a good selling point to the client. Like, hey, you're gonna get everything. You can go back and watch whatever you want. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's usually a lot of prep work with the files. Um, and uh, creating proxies. Now we have editors that help us get things done. We sometimes dive in and edit. Usually at, at the very least, I'm doing all the prep work. Um, so setting up that like Premiere file to have potentially like speeches cut, uh, uh, parts of the vowels cut that I want to see in the videos, teeing yeah. up the, the music track, thinking about what how I kind of want that to flow. Mm-hmm. And then if we have an editor help us they'll kind of do the editing work. We'll then take it to do all the finishing. So yeah, uh, s- sound and, and color. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, that's just like a typical workflow for us. Um, and uh, yeah, happy to dive into anything more uh, on any of those points.
1: Yeah. I mean, so you mentioned the the ceremony and the speeches being the kind of backbone. W- would that be the case yeah. with the film that you make? Like what people say and the actual ceremony are those like the main meats of your film and then everything else is kind of like over the top like b-roll type thing or
3: um it's half and half i would say like half of our couples want audio in half of our couples want it to be montage music video style yeah okay um so and that's dependent on the client. And so, if you, I think if you yeah. watch our portfolio, you'll see there is a mix of that. Um, some yeah. where there's not one bit of audio added in, and others where it's like audio the whole way, almost wow. right. Um, yeah. And so, just that's just been our approach is is that we want the couples to let us know what they want. Um, I will say there there's an element of like offloading that decision to the clients that is a little, uh, like a bit of a relief knowing that, okay, I definitely know this is what they want. Um, uh, like a good example of that is the, the, the first video in our portfolio. Um, Jeff and Ashley, it's this like epic wedding in France. They actually wanted pretty much the whole day shot in slow-mo and they did not want audio at all. Um, and I told them, Hey, if we shoot in slow-mo, we're not, it's not going to be like a, a ceremony video and stuff like that. That's okay. That's fine. I want, we want this. And so that one became this sort of like upfront creative, um, uh, sort of like, uh, um, funnel that we had to make this video through. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's that we shot that like six years ago, but it, it remains to be one of the, uh, the fan favorites. So we we keep it up and was that Jeff and Ashley you said? Yeah. Jeff and Ashley. Yeah. Uh,
1: Oh, yay. The high air balloon. I remember that one. Yeah. 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 Cool
3: experience. uh, You know, so this is a great example of like, we shot that on five D's. Okay. Terrible camera. compared to now. Um, (laughs) but that video has done us wonders in terms of getting new work. And, um, yeah, technically, there are things wrong with it. Uh, the, the image and things that we didn't have access to it was all shot in uh, 1080p and all that kind of stuff. Um, but um, kind of no one cares. No no client cares about that. Um, yeah. You know, just get, get the shot. Get the exposure right. Try to get it in focus. Just get the shot. Be there. Be ready. Those are Those are just so much more important. And, of course, like different ideas you have. Um, to make that video yeah. happen, but, um,
1: yeah. Yeah. I love, I love watching this video, <laughs> by the way. It's, it's the perfect it's, it's example. It's fun one. Yeah. It, it, is, it is fun, but it's the perfect example of why you shouldn't be scared to go handheld because yeah. it's just, some bits are crazy and you've, you've yeah. used, it's like really fast cut and then other bits you just let the moment happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, yep. really yep. it's really good. It's really good. Um, yep. yeah. Yeah. Do your couples choose your music? Or do you, you know, you you mentioned that. Yeah,
3: Yeah. typically, i say the most common um, is that they ask for some options. So we narrow down a list of options, and they make a selection. Mm -hmm. Second to that is they ask us to pick it and surprise them. And then the least common is that they're like, we want this song like we have to have this song i personally for us and how we run our business i don't think it's any of our business to tell them they can't have the wedding song that they want in their video i'm happy to advise them and guide them against that if i feel like it's a mistake or if i feel like it could Mm -hmm. be really difficult to edit a certain thing say it's a very like lyrical heavy song and they want all these uh, voice overlays. It's like, those are going to conflict. You're not going to, the essence of the song is going to be difficult to, to, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so I'm happy to advise people on that. Um, Mm -hmm. But ultimately bottom line is they're paying us money to make this video. I feel like I, it's my duty to give that to them. Now there's like a couple stipulations with that. If they're picking a well-known track, you know, we'll tell them, Hey, this could get taken down on Instagram. You can't post this. Any- you can't publish this. We don't have rights to it. All that kind of stuff. Um, most of our videos stay private to the couple. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so, um, most of the time we don't pursue licensing, but for things that are on our website or things that are on our Instagram, we pursue license, uh, a license to use the track. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Or permission of some kind. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a, a little bit of a debate about commercial music and stuff. Yeah. Which I find really interesting, obviously, but you're ha- you're yeah. happy to use any music. You ever worried about well, the if it's, legal
3: ratifications or? No, because I've talked okay. to enough band. We've licensed enough music at this point. Mm. Um, I actually, I don't know anyone that does it like we do, where we, we really do pursue getting permission and, and or a license from um, yeah. any kind of track that we post. Um most people either use stock music and then it's not yeah. an issue, or they just use it anyway. Um for the most part, bands and managers and labels really do not care if you deliver a wedding video to a couple and it's just for them. Yes, mm. technically this is kind of in that area of commercial um but this is a private personal wedding video that they're using this for. So there's a bit of a gray area there. Mm-hmm. And I've found that by and large people don't care. Now, yeah. if you're using that to promote and put on your website, go on Instagram, any kind of marketing effort that is now you are definitely heavier in the territory of, okay, you're kind of commercially using this track to mm. get you more business. And so, that's where we have gone out and gotten tracks. I mean, we've got we had just like a couple of years ago got an Odezo track license. It was a pain in the ass because there was so many so many people to pay out on both sides of that license that it was like really annoying, but mm-hmm. we liked it enough that we like pursued that and got it done. Um I was, I would say most of the time when we ask for permission, they don't even need, they don't even want the license. They're like, yeah, that's fine. We don't care.
2: Um,
0: So so you're just relying on a written sort of, we've got it in black and white and writing that says you can use it as long as it's private type thing.
3: Yeah. Um, Uh, Even songs that we promote with, Hey, we want to put, we did this wedding video for a couple. We want to put it on our Instagram. How do you feel about that? No, no worries. Um, It's, it's just one of those things where it, dep- it depends on the track. It depends on the band as I say most tracks we're licensing are from smaller bands. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, it does get tricky if you want to get the work like published somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so like the France video and we and, and immediately had a, uh, publication lined up, uh, bride's magazine was going to post it. And so, and we had found this track that I found, uh, took, it spent like eight hours trying to find this track. I mean, it was like just an obscure French band that, uh, fit perfectly for what we were trying to do. And, uh, so we reached out and, uh, I convinced brides to front the bill for the license for the publication and for our usage.
2: And it worked
3: out and uh, now everyone's happy. Like brides gets to use it. We get to use it. The band's happy. Um, so again, but this takes a lot of time. And so that's why we don't, we keep most, Like if you look at our Instagram, we don't show that much work, um, video work. It's just, we, uh, don't have time to pursue a license for all these tracks. So what I would say is Mm -hmm. for people who are doing this, stock music is an easy answer to, uh, to solve these problems. And we have used stock uh, music before for certain couples who know they want to get it published. And we're just like, Hey, let's just do, let's just find a cool stock track we get the license and everyone's happy. Um, but if you're going to use it and market with it, I would, I would recommend, you know, just to avoid any problems, recommend at least reaching out and getting permission. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and the smaller the band, the easier that is to do. Yeah. So yes. Um, yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Although I will say with smaller bands, they don't often know who has the rights to their songs.
3: Yeah. Which is yes. kind of bizarre <laughs> actually, yeah, so, I found, so, but yes i mean there is uh, you can get into the weeds on that of uh, th- yeah. there's typically two sides to an ownership of a um of a uh, song mm. most of the time when it's a smaller band um and we get permission we get a good answer back from them that's saying hey that's fine that's cool uh we do take it upon ourselves to say, okay, I think we're in the clear. I don't think anyone's going to care too much about this. Uh, a lot of times we'll credit the song. Sometimes we don't. Um, yeah. Depends on how that relationship is. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, don't necessarily just go and use any track you want. You definitely can't get in trouble for it. And, or at the very least, it just gets taken down and it's like all for nothing, yeah. right?
2: No, like yeah, you have this
3: like yeah. wonderful video, you post it and then you, and then it gets taken down and, um, and, uh, um, you, you, keep, now you have to re-edit it to another song or something. and uh, Yeah.
1: That's a, that's a painful process. having to go back. into process. Ah, oh, oh, man. Yeah. Um, cool. I know we're, we're g- 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 ticking on here. So yeah. yeah for people. It's, who are...
3: it's been enjoyable. I should have, I should have okay, started good. drinking earlier.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, Dora, these are non-alcoholic beers, although that sure I are. do have the, I do have the whi- <laughs> I do have the whiskey here, which, uh, was a gift from Greg for our 100th episode.
3: Yeah. Very um, nice. Very nice.
1: What advice do you have for aspiring wedding filmmakers who are just starting out, but maybe struggling yeah. with, finding their own identity or struggling in business or
3: yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. Like Mm. going out and just doing the work is the biggest thing you can do. Just the repetition of going through the whole process with video. It's a little harder than photo because I remember when we were starting out, we could go just shoot like an engagement session of a couple friends or anyone we know or offer it for free it's a lot easier with photo just kind of pick up the camera and go shoot a couple and you can start testing out ideas and seeing what works and what doesn't work and things like that video it's definitely trickier isn't it it's like you have to kind of like either know someone who's getting married um i think for people starting out it's perfectly fine to offer your services for cheap or free um, with the caveat that they weren't already going to maybe hire someone to do it. I mean, there is a responsibility aspect to this. Mm-hmm. So if they were just going to go photo and just definitely not hire video, I think it's like appropriate or okay to hop in and say, Hey, could I, could I try making something for you here? Like, is that, would that be cool? Because they weren't going to get anything done anyway, but yeah. uh, falsely kind of advertising that you can do video. If someone's relying on that, um, mm-hmm. I think ethically starts to get a little dicey, Right. You don't want to you don't want to jump into that and ruin their day.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so I think with video, it's a, just a little trickier in that regard. But there's plenty yeah. of people that don't do video, as you know, um, people that just forego video. And so if you're starting out, you can find friends, cousins, you know, someone you know, a, a photographer who um, who uh, is shooting a wedding that they're not having video that doesn't mind having you tag along.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Now it's it's a slow start. And it takes a while to compound. So that's the tricky part. It's like yeah. you book something and it's like a year from now. And then, you know, another three to six months after that until you can like actually do something with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, just getting out there and trying to shoot as much as you can early on is is by far the biggest thing. Business-wise, I mean, our our whole thing has always been we focus a lot on trying to get leads to come in, uh, from as many different sources as possible. Mm-hmm. So right now I couldn't even tell you what our single biggest source of leads is because it's so evenly spread out very much intentionally, um, mm-hmm. between, uh, planners, venue recommendations, past clients, uh, friends who, um, uh, uh knew someone who got married and saw it like social media posts, um, yeah. publications. Um, so I would say don't put your uh, sometime a little bit now vendor listings. Although that, that used to be more of a thing when we were starting out and now is definitely dwindled, I think because it gets so saturated with so many people, you know, yeah. there's like a hundred people on this, uh, wedding blog, uh, listing, uh, directory or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, how how are you supposed to get, how are you supposed to stand out? Even if you're like the best person in the bunch, like how do you, you know, one way is they want to get more money from you. Right. And they promote you and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I've heard some people have success with that, but I've also heard an equal amount or more have terrible, uh, uh, you know, kind of results. So, Mm. um, yeah. I mean, so, so on the business side, I would just say like, spreading out as many different ways as you can. Maybe the one way we've never really tackled hard is SEO. I'm not okay. saying don't do it. I think like some yeah. people have really good success with that. It can work really well. Um, it just happens to be that we've not done that. Um, yeah. and we do, we do like a little bit with like with our website or stuff and stuff, just making sure a couple things are tagged or whatever in a post, but very minor. um, mm. Again, not because I don't think it works, uh, just because I'm spread so thin doing uh, many other things um, to try to get work. So, um, yeah. yeah, on the business side, that would be the big, the biggest thing I would say is just get those lead generations up, and um, that that's going to allow you to be more selective with your clients, raise your prices, mm. uh, expand your team. These are all these are all things that are going to give you that longevity in this career, in my opinion. Um, and so, yeah that's generically kind of what I would, what I would say. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: I've got a hypothetical for you, Ryan. Say, yeah. say you got a member of your team, right? And they're getting married in a couple of years, but they've asked you to film their wedding. Hypothetical. Yeah. Of, of course, of course. Would you charge or, <laughs> or would you be nice? and do it for free even though you'd probably rather be at the party as a <laughs> guest getting right. drunk what, what would right. your hypothetical answer to, the, to this
3: be um I would, probably, I would probably tell them if I wanted to just be a guest or if I wanted to help them so it's very situational mm-hmm. what happens if you um, said
1: what, what, what happens if you did that and they said uh but my, my potential wife really wants you. Uh,
3: I don't know. <laughs> Boy, I feel like I'm being thrown into a, uh, a, a fiery situation here. No, no, no. Um, I'm, just, I'm just joking around. I'm just joking around. It is tricky though. Yeah, I it think, is, but there is the element of like friends asking and things like that. Um, you know, um, uh, actually like, uh, one of our shooters over on the after it all side is, uh, getting married and they, um, we are going to do something kind of interesting where I'm probably going to shoot part of it. And another shooter on our team is going to shoot another part of it. We're going to kind of flip flop. Mm -hmm. And that way we get a little bit of both. It's also very, very, very small wedding. Like, I don't even know if we would be invited if, if it, if we weren't shooting it. So Mm. it's just a tricky situation, but, um, yeah, I mean, t- for us, like at least with our students, because we've known everyone for so long, I, there's no way I could charge for it. Mm-hmm. Um, just it's just it wouldn't it wouldn't feel right. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's uh, not to say that that's the situation for everyone, but um, yeah, it's tricky. Those those problems are tricky. We don't get to attend many weddings these days, do we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like I mean we get to shoot them of course, but like uh, you never you don't get to be a guest uh, <laughs> because you might have a friend who got married, but you're already booked that day and you can't get out of it or something, mm. right? So, so yeah. it's yeah. tricky.
1: Yeah, plus we're getting to that age. I mean, not to age us all here, <laughs> Taurus with the same brush, but some of your friends, a lot of them are already married. Yeah, yeah. And so it's you're you're getting past that point. Which is very, yes. very sad.
3: Yeah, so, no more, no more, uh, no more weddings for us in terms of invites. <laughs> They've definitely dwindled. I have noticed that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little sad.
0: So, in wrapping up, do you have any book recommendations for our listeners? Book. Yeah, like whether it's a business book or yeah, a mm. photography book or something.
3: My books that I read tend to be very. Uh, I, I tend to read like nonfiction y books, so they're not, they're not in the realm of, mm. uh, All right. they're not usually in the realm of like, uh, uh, uh well, I will say there was a, uh, let my people go surfing by Von Chouinard was quite excellent. Mm. Um, he's the founder of Patagonia oh, and, okay. um, right. yes, he, he had some really wild, uh, ideas about business and how to run a business back in the day that I think are still kind of being um, digested by business leaders now. And there's a lot of people, there's like a lot of people that I think are um, kind of writing in his, in uh, his coattails there a little bit. Um, and uh, so that, that was a, that was an interesting book just a, how to lead a company and d- different ideas he had about that. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many would be other <laughs> other recommendations i would have that would be like super relevant to uh to your listeners but um yeah that one that one was uh very uh, memorable for sure
0: sounds like a good one i might check it out myself
1: yeah i've actually that's yeah. uh, slipped slipped my net actually so i well do you want to buy it on the audible cinema account and then we can if, both enjoy it as an
0: audio version i will yeah oh excellent excellent um, i think
3: there i think there is yeah, yeah. i'd recommend it
1: Excellent. Well, definitely get that, um, Ryan. Thank you very much for joining us uh, for for our one hundredth episode. Yeah. Man, uh, I feel
0: honored. Thank the you. Horn. is there somewhere. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, <laughs> where where can people find you online if they're interested in checking out your work?
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, our wedding works uh, at uh, you know at Forge, at Forge of the North on Instagram, and then fortune that's going to be like our our main wedding uh stuff um unfortunately i don't i'm terrible about posting my personal work on um on instagram I, I don't think i've made a post in four years but uh if people wanted to check out any of my uh other commercial work it's ryan r brown with an e on the end ryan r Brown.com. and so good. yeah that's some other work that i've done there so
1: yeah very cool. Definitely go check that out and people can find us at perspective by on Instagram at perspective by Like I said, if you like this conversation, you can join us on YouTube if you're not already watching and uh, hit that subscribe button just to, um, boost the numbers since we've moved to this new platform. We need all the help we can get. And I, I, I will beg, I will beg. It's not below me. So yeah, hit that subscribe button. Um, thank you for su- supporting us. I've lost my words. With Jack, thank you. Um, you have been a fantastic sponsor over the years. Um, and yet, yeah, again, if you like this conversation, join us on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. We hope to see you in the next episode.
0: However, in the meantime,
1: enjoy your life.